2: Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains-like clues. We're seeing this in the viral Sleepy Girl Mocktail trend on social media
1: so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today.
2: Clues, underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the, the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Hmm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt... The buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and <laughs> my, um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband you want that you don't want it to be rolling you don't want it to be showing and i'm hooked i don't want to wear anything else it's all got to go now
1: well this ad actually is kind of about that pace case everybody knows me (laughs) undies makes great underwear it's in the name me undies but it's not just about underwear you can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers hoodies onesies and a whole bunch more and their move me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market there's no doubt about it right now you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. Me undies, comfort from the outside in.
0: It's the
2: Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses.
0: This is the Game of Roses.
2: You're silly if when you don't get new
1: information and you have a new view and perspective on something, if you don't have a change of heart. And, and, that, and that perspective is: mom says, love changes, love wilts, feelings change. Like, don't worry, love ends. I mean, what kind of greeting card is that?
2: Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case.
1: This is bachelor clues and we have done it pace case another season wow
2: wow
1: we indeed what a season this was so many historical firsts <laughs> it ended in huge controversy the biggest scandal we've ever seen in bachelor nation that carried all the way through to chris harrison not hosting the after the final Rose. But he was not
2: omitted from it entirely. narrating the after the final
1: (laughs) So fucking strange. But we had incredible play in the finals here. I don't want the play of our two final competitors to be completely overshadowed by the scandal. Because as we have long predicted... No, we will honor it. We must. This is our job. But as we have long predicted on this show... (laughs) We were going to enter a professional era where we saw more and more players understand that they are in a game, understand the structure of the game, how to play it, what the best plays are. In this finale, we saw two high-level professional players turning in performances that I have never seen anything like before in terms of the meeting of the family date. And I cannot wait to break this entire episode down with you because it's just this is historic this is one of the most important three hours of the bachelor that has ever occurred maybe the most
2: i mean absolutely it's the culmination of every fucking thing that has happened this season in all of these weird fucking ways i feel like we saw so much dlh screen time like maybe more than any bachelor finale ever
1: he was almost in every scene offering <laughs> counsel to matt <laughs> he James, was the stco the- Jesus Christ. So that's where we'll we get are, into but it. We will get into it. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us all this entire season. We've had, I was going to say, a pleasure bringing you the coverage of every game of the season, but it has not been a pleasure. In some cases, it has been a displeasure. Nonetheless, we power on.
2: <laughs> You're just like Matt James. You won't tell them what they want to hear, even though it's so easy. <laughs> You have to tell the truth. You must.
1: (laughs) And I'm telling you the truth now. This season was a tough one to get through, but there was fantastic play all throughout it. I was very disappointed tonight. No who Final two opportunities. Neither player took me up on that one, but they did some fine play other than that, and we are going to break it down for you right now. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present Analysis of Play in this week of our beloved game, This is Game of Roses.
2: We start with a DLH narration. It's an emotional season finale. And literally the sounds, dun-dun-dun, play. I noticed a noise. Are you proud of me?
1: I am. That's very good. We can get to some noise later that you might have mentioned when the After the Final Rose started. The score they used was very interesting. But yeah, I couldn't Mm -hmm. fucking believe this. Chris Harrison is the first fucking voice you hear on this. This voiceover we know was recorded (laughs) after the final rose. So he had already been replaced. or That decision had been made to replace him on after the final rose. Yet they call him up to record the voiceover for not only this entire episode, for all the bumpers, which we're going to get to a little bit later, because in some of them he's directly saying, and join us later. When Emmanuel hosts <laughs> after the final rose, they
2: made him fucking read that shit. I couldn't believe when he said Ocho's name. I was like, this is the reveal. Because every other bumper, you're like, oh, well, maybe they were recorded all this earlier. No, <laughs> he introduces the man replacing him. And that's like a decision the producers and the
1: network made. Well, he's not going to host after the final rose, but we should have him record all of the vo for every part of all of this. <laughs> I can't believe I'm it. Just I really like, couldn't. What
2: is that? I, I guess it's like it would be weird to have this disembodied voice suddenly start doing all the bumpers. They're like our show can't survive without bumpers. Shoot a fucking
1: opening with Emmanuel Ocho. Hi, I'm Emmanuel Ocho. You know, everything has been mired in scandal or whatever. I'm going to be hosting, so you're going to yeah. hear my voice tonight. There's a million ways you could have done it to not have Chris Harrison narrating the entire final episode.
2: <sighs> yeah, it's like his punishment is that he's supposed to be missing from this episode, and yet he is half of it. Anyway, he continues narrating this montage. Matt James is walking through the snow. He says, Matt's journey comes to a shocking conclusion. There's a kissing montage. We see him pondering a ring box. He's at least going to have ring in hand. The women both LL for Patty James. And we get Patty's dark statement again. (laughs) Love is not the (laughs) be-all, end-all. It's not going to be easy. And DLH says this line Can Matt overcome his biggest fear or will he close his heart to love forever?
1: (laughs) I have that line written down in bold and italic and underlined. That's what they sell the show on.
2: It's not about finding love. I know we just talked about this line.
1: It's about closing your heart forever. That's what you're tuning in to see if it happens. It's not, the line is literally can he overcome his biggest fear? Talking about fear, or will he close his heart to love forever? Never being loved. Those are the two things he's giving you. Nowhere in this sense does he say, Will Matt wind up with the woman of his dreams? None of that.
2: No. Or will Matt, well, this not work out for him and he'll find someone later. <laughs> we see Matt James say, Is love enough? And him producing tears. And we get this announcement Dark Lord Harrison introducing his own replacement. And later tonight and we get this clip of Emmanuel Ocho. My name is Emmanuel Ocho. I'm sitting in for Chris Harrison tonight, which already makes this the most dramatic after the final rose ever. This is like if once Roseanne was fired, they still had her do all the bumpers of Roseanne, like next week I'm Roseanne.
1: <laughs> they just keep her in the opening credits, but she's never yeah. in any episodes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Although I guess sitting in for that language is very specific to be like, he'll be back.
1: Yeah, definitely. You get the feeling he'll be back from this entire night. And then we see again in this promo that Ocho is going to be mentioning the antebellum theme picks and asking Matt how hard it is on him to be going through all of this. So it looks like even from this initial promo, they're going to go right at it and that is essentially what they did. We'll get to the after the final rose, after all this other gameplay analysis. But, I mean, that is what they did. And then Ocho says he's going to reveal the bachelorette with a big curveball.
2: Bachelor's a sport. Thank you for being in the pit, Ocho.
1: Ocho definitely is in the pit. We have confirmation. He has listened to every episode. And let's not forget, Ocho is an NFL Player, He has done color commentary for football games on Fox News and ESPN2. The show is becoming a sport now. And then we open the first images of the actual show. It's snow. Cold. Desolate. This is the tone that will paint the entire fucking episode. They hit these snow shots almost every time they come back from a bumper. They even sweeten the sound a little bit with like howling wind in the background very low. They're trying to make it feel cold.
2: They succeed. I'm freezing. Matt James is tying his shoes on this white artsy stool. And he says, I'm all in. And then there's a hard cut in his audio with the both of them. I'm like, they cut this line together to make it sound, to make him sound ridiculous. (laughs)
1: There was a lot of um fucking with lines of dialogue in this episode. I had an interesting one on yes. DLH that was not played on his face and I'm like, I don't know if he said it or not, but I think I, I, didn't I see him might have
2: marked the same thing. We'll get to it. Yeah. Me. I mean, if it's not on face, did it happen? Mostly no. He <laughs> Rehits this line, which you know is how he's gonna break up with Michelle. He says, "Michelle, when you have a ch- when you have a checklist of everything you're looking for in a wife—loyal, someone who's smart, understanding, patient, kind—that's Michelle." We see Rachel. You know what they said? Kerrconnell. That's how Otto pronounced it. I kind of trust him, so I feel like maybe that's how it's pronounced. Rachel Kerrconnell.
1: I think that's how I've been saying it the whole time. So I'm on board.
2: Another clues prediction, correct, bears out. (laughs) Uh, Connell writes in her journal. Matt narrates, she's someone I'm obviously attracted to, but the thing I'm most attracted to is she pushes me to be open. It's not that she's a sexy baby at all. He didn't say that part. She pushes me to be vulnerable. And this... This line is very Frankenstein together. He says, my convo with my dad was intense. I'm not my dad. I want a family. I want to be a husband. I want kids. And he trudges through the snow to a house where who's awaiting him? Patty James and his brother, John. Patty is wearing leopard print. An homage, presumably, to uh, Tiger King.
1: I didn't read it as that, but could have been. Maybe that's her (laughs) favorite show. (laughs)
2: Matt James sits down with him and he tells him there's so much
1: stuff that's happened. By the way,
2: his brother says, what's up, money? Do you think that's his nickname for Matt James?
1: Nice. I didn't even catch that. And then Matt James sits down with them and he says, you all know I'm very closed off to relationships. And in the past, I have not shared my emotions and feelings, but that's not why I came here. And I find myself thinking, because they now make a meal out of this. The whole narrative around Matt James is he's not ready for this. He doesn't know if he can do it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why did they pick this guy as The Bachelor again? Isn't the whole premise of The Bachelor, it's a guy who's like, I just need a wife. Show me 30 women and I'll pick a wife out of them.
2: hmm Presumably. Yeah. You know what you want in A Bachelor? You want a guy who's like, you know what? I have three queens in my life already. I've got my mom, my sister, my whatever. I need my fourth queen or is it? He's looking for his third. He's looking for his fourth. It was Mike Johnson.
1: (laughs) So Matt James basically starts to tell his mom and brother about Michelle who they're going to meet first and he describes her why he likes her all these good qualities and the mom fucking glows Matt James here. She says it's good to see you so happy and expressive. She can tell even talking about Michelle has brought happiness and joy into his life. This is a fucking uh, preemptive glow before Michelle has even arrived. Merely through the description of Michelle coming from Matt James, his mother sees fit to fucking glow him. She is not present for this play. It is a fucking telepathic play. It is a remote play that she's getting a fucking glow without even being in the room because the work she's put in up to this point is so powerful it fucking goes through Matt James like a conduit straight to his mother I was blown away by this fucking moment obviously
2: I mean Michelle's pre-meeting of the family vibe contender for playing the game I couldn't believe it
1: I've never seen a fucking glow like that before where the lead is just talking about the person to their parents and they're like, holy shit, let me bestow you with this glow. That's fucking insane.
2: By the way, the way he describes her, he says she was a late addition to this process. I don't tell her she was late. I tell her that she was right on time. He loves this line and you know he's going to call it up in After Final Rose again as well. Um, And he says how our lives are pretty parallel. And I was like, He's hitting all of these things that Michelle has set up so intentionally. She has set up their parallel lives. She has set up their parallel outfits. I'm just going to say this
1: about Michelle. I think so far, she is the best player from the professional era that we've seen. She did nothing wrong. I mean, look, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Please forgive me. Let me slow it down and let's just go through this. (laughs)
2: That is <laughs> that is a shocking statement that you just made. We have so many good players in this era.
1: Not like this. Sorry.
2: I mean, look, we'll get to it, but I basically agree with you. <laughs> we start meeting of the family number one.
1: Michelle shows up. They kiss in the snow. Matt brings her in. We get a little group talk. Michelle says she's excited to be with them. And
2: Wait, wait. By the way, (laughs) I feel like you're skipping over very important details here. Please, All four of them are wearing brown. All four of them match. I don't know how this possibly happened, but I believe that Michelle is behind it. That they're all one family. Ready for a fucking Christmas card together. And (coughs) she comes in and she comes to the brother and she goes, hi, John. She directly says the name. She is prepared. She has done her research as she has done this whole time.
1: Incredibly skilled. And then she sits down with them and tells them she's excited to be with the family, uh, says I'm a school teacher. And she says that what she likes about Matt is he's a world changer. And that's what she's looking for. A high compliment paid to Matt James, the brother of John sitting on the couch, the son of Patty sitting on the couch, just called your sibling and your son, a fucking world changer. How many women has he brought home called him a world changer? Only one, it's Michelle Young.
2: Well, he's only brought home someone in high school apparently, so I think we can guarantee a high schooler didn't say that about him.
1: When my high school girlfriend brought me to meet her parents for the first <laughs> time, she called me a world changer. <laughs> That's not true, but but for dad different reasons. Did have a gun. Um, and that is something that happened on season nine when Lorenzo Borghese goes oh to the hometown God. of Sadie in uh, Florida. Her dad has a gun. Or sorry, it's not Sadie. It was Jennifer in Florida. Her dad greets him with a shotgun. Anyway.
2: We, we've seen that before, though.
1: Well, there was Jesse Palmer. Don't you remember that, that
2: hometown that was by the lake? Jesse yeah.
1: Palmer in season five i forget whose dad it was but he brings like a bunch of machine guns out to a lake and they have to fire these fucking machine guns
2: anyway
0: sorry i've just been watching season nine
2: um (laughs) right after this not only is she branding matt james a world changer she goes straight for patty james the mom she knows how important patty is and she says you know One of our first conversations that Matt and I ever had was about you. Patty, instantly, I need a hanky, I'm going to cry, produces Mom Tears.
1: Literally within the first 15 seconds of walking in the fucking door, she's just like, let me go ahead and turn those tears on, and thank you, mother-in-law. It's beautiful. I think the pre-glow helped. Of course. The The stage is set for perfection, and Michelle Young is delivering from the very first moment, and it only gets better from here. I almost started fucking crying. You almost got Clue's tears during this fucking performance.
2: Never happened in the history of anything. How dare Um, you? By the way, okay, so the world changer line is after those first tears, which were about the first conversation they had. There's also another little line in here. She says, it was scary to put everything on hold. I'm a teacher, but I felt this pull which to me was a slight religious hint. God is pulling me out of, away from my kids, towards your son, the world changer.
1: Totally agree. And then we get the first one-on-one time between Michelle and Brother John. Now, Brother John <laughs> seems extremely <laughs> skeptical in the very beginning of this what conversation. What gives you that impression? This fucking guy is sitting as far away as he can from her on the other side of the couch. His arms are fucking crossed. He's like looking at her down through the bottom of his eyes. He does not want to like her. He does not want to like this show. He doesn't want to like any part of this. Unfortunately, this is Michelle Young, Brother John, that is sitting across from you. So you're not going to have much of a choice in this. This is like watching a fucking... Olympic-level floor routine, what she does to Brother John. He asks her what qualities she sees in him that makes her feel like he could be a long-term partner. She says, trust. She tells him that she knows he will keep his word, and he is someone you can trust. This is the opposite of Brother John's father, of Matt James' father. She's saying implicitly, what I see in him is all the shit that wasn't there with your dad. She's getting to him on the same level that that gets to Matt James'. This is fucking beautiful. Because she knows anything she says about their family, it means the same to both of them. They both have the same experience, obviously.
2: And right after this, he asks her how long ago her last serious relationship was. And she says it ended in January. He's doing this quick math, and she says it was something that should have ended before that. Actually, I've been sing I've kind of been single even longer than that.
1: Brother John tells Michelle that. Matt has never been in a relationship before. He's been sheltered in relationships in the past, but he can see that he comes out of his shell when she's around her. He fucking glows her. She got a mom glow. She got a brother glow. She got a bro glow coming just straight to her in this. And he literally says he seems happy around you.
2: Observing their body language. Yeah, speaking of, can we observe his body language? (laughs) because
1: it didn't work dude your body language has been destroyed by michelle young this was fucking amazing and she had no hesitation in this conversation usually you sit down and there's a sibling there's some family member in a hometown or a meeting of the family who's got their arms crossed and looking at you like i don't give a fuck about any of this that is usually trouble that spells doom in many cases michelle young did not skip a beat she turned him almost instantaneously This is a high-level, incredible fucking play.
2: Yeah, you have a hint of Jet and Jack being like, oh, he has never had a relationship. He just goes to clubs with me. (laughs) Which is what Jet and Jack said about Pilot Pete on their hometown. Or on their meeting of the family, rather. Now Michelle sits down with Patty. And here's what happens in this conversation. Patty says, you know, you... You already saw me crying. And she asks about when Michelle's family met Matt. She says, when your family met Matt, did you have peace? And what happens here? This conversation between Michelle and Patty James was my... Play, 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 play of the game. Michelle describes this. She says, my mom took one look at me, choked up. So my mom cried immediately upon seeing me. My mom had the glow of seeing how happy I was. Your immediate tears, you don't need to worry about at all. They're totally normal. They're parallel lives, tears. And my mom asked me, do you think Matt is the one? My answer was yes. She tells her that she precogged. She's not just, telling her that she would accept a proposal she's saying I told my mom I would accept the proposal she's making everything that she's saying stronger with this telling of this story of how she told her mom this patty says sounds like you've had a very cohesive family life which is a blessing Matt tended to choose friends that had very strong families patty fucking pulls tears here actually Michelle pulled those tears patty says he's overcome a lot Michelle says, I appreciate that about him. It makes him so grateful for things that most people tend to look past. This line. She's a word wizard. I'll say it again. I've said it before. <laughs> she's a word word, word, word wizard, wizard looking for a world changer. And she LL4's Matt James to Patty James here. She says, I'm very much in love with your son. For me to feel this strong so quick surprised me. So she's, she's preemptively attacking any attack that her mom might have on her about this being fast and saying, it surprised me, but it doesn't scare me because I'm so confident in how I feel. I'm so for TRR. Patty says, for you to be so open, it's an honor. More Patty tears. I've never seen anything like this conversation in 25 seasons of watching The Bachelor with you clues. And... This was a fucking astounding play by Michelle.
1: It was a close second to my play of the game. I agree with you. This was probably the highest level mom conversation we've ever seen. That thing she did that you mentioned where she, when Matt James's mom asks, how do you feel about my son? She doesn't say, I love your son. She says, I told my Mm -hmm. mom, I love your son. That shit you're getting mom tears from that almost every time because the mom is now identifying with the other mom and is identifying with like oh shit if she told her mom that she loves my son then it's true because i'm a mom and if my kid tells me they love somebody i'm gonna fucking believe them that was like just this brilliant masterstroke at the beginning of this conversation and then everything that happens after is just perfectly placed to get maximum mom tears and ultimately gets a hug from her in the end. Like she's part of the family. Basically this was, it was exquisite to watch. Thank you, Michelle. And then Matt shares some one on one time with mom. And James says that she knows I'm falling for her. And hopefully I can be at that point to get engaged. He says he's learned how to love by loving her. And Patty James says, I'm glad to see you. Happy gives him a fucking glow. There's glows being thrown around this meeting of the family. Every fucking two seconds. A beautiful thing to watch. And that's all because of Michelle's energy in this. How she has touched every member of this family and really set the stage for just Glowfest 99. <laughs> and then we go outside and we get the little bench time with Matt James and Michelle Young. They sit on a the bench. They both agree it went well. We get a kiss upping that chemistry game. And then she fucking puts this little cherry on top of the meeting of the family with a snowball fight in the fucking auto zone. I couldn't
2: believe this shit. I screamed. I screamed. She ends this perfect, exquisite meeting of the family with this flourish of an improv snowball fight that you know she fucking preplanned. As soon as she saw it was snowing that day, she's like, I know how I'm going to cap off this date snowball fight into kissing in the auto zone i wrote is this woman an ai that's how good she did this
1: i don't know if she listens to game of roses but i gotta think she does because she wasn't making any (laughs) wrong steps we've talked about all this kind of stuff how to navigate a conversation with a mom or what you should be doing in the auto zone little flourishes to make you stand out get screen time whatever we've talked about some version of everything she's done i think Mm -hmm. she's
2: listening you know what, maybe she is really bad at who And so she's like, yes, I listen to Game of Roses, but I know I have a bad hoo, so I'm not going to play to my weaknesses. I'm going to play to my strengths, which are preparation, branding, professional 4TRR, sabbatical play.
1: Portion two begins. It is morning at NEMA colon. Matt waits outside the familial home for Rachel this time. She pulls up. He gives her a kiss and he tells her she's going to meet his brother and his mom and wants them to see who he's falling in love with. And they get another kiss here. Two quick ones in a row. They enter. She meets the family. She tells them that she has worn her heart on her sleeve and it has worked. She says she's had trouble showing her emotions in the past, just like Matt, but He told her to be open and honest when they first met her. It wouldn't work. And that's what she's done the whole time.
2: Then they have this weird conversation, which is Matt James sort of talking to Rachel, but it's a performance for his mom and brother. And he says that conversation before our overnight. And it's just like, do you realize you're talking in front of your mom and your brother? And then he's, I don't know. It was just very bizarre. And John says, I'm seeing a new side to my brother. I'm happy he's reached this point in his life where he feels comfortable to put his feelings and emotions on the table. And he loads. A Rachel Glow says he's definitely seeing a connection. He asked a similar line of questioning as he did with Michelle and says, how many serious relationships have you had? And Rachel explained she had one serious boyfriend in high school, then one serious boyfriend towards the ends of college. John says, have you ever experienced true love? Rachel says, I've loved, but never to the point where I can see a future. I feel like Matt is the other half of me that I've needed. And he repeats this question that he used with Michelle. What qualities do you see in Matt that you can see him as a long-term partner?
1: (laughs) And she says he's goofy, but he is a good listener. And she can't breathe when she's with him and she gets butterflies. Then we see some one-on-one time with Matt James and his mom And his mom says, it feels like you're both yourselves around each other. He says he has fun with her, but it's more than that. This is a glow adjacent maneuver. Not quite a glow, but we're getting there. Then we see some one-on-one time with mom and Rachel. Mom asks Rachel if she could be engaged. She says, as she's gotten older, the thing that will fulfill her, she now realizes, is love. And she told Matt that she thought they were blessed to have this opportunity. I'll repeat it.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Hey, Matt James's mom, I feel blessed to have this opportunity. Now, we know this is the beginning of a Christian attack on mom. She's laying in the idea of Christianity to this conversation. Matt's mom then says, was there a time when you were falling in love with Matt? And what Rachel Kirkconnell does next was my... Play, 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 play of the game. Rachel flounders in the beginning of this play. She's like, well, it's really just the little things. I was just so in awe of him. Excuse me? I asked what you liked about my son, though. That doesn't make any sense. You're not saying anything. (laughs) So then she kind of awkwardly slips into this other thing where she starts talking about their first one-on-one date. And on that date is where she started feeling things for him because of how he made her feel. Again, not answering the question. Floundering. But then she remembers, (laughs) oh wait, it was actually before that. It was on the first night when he opened the whole thing with a Christian prayer and she got emotional over it. She conjures tears here and... That is it. She says she truly felt it in her soul that this was God's way of putting them together because she wouldn't have met him outside of this. And the mom says her heart resonates with her. We see the tears. And Rachel says, then, I really do love your son.
2: By the way, Rachel cries here, too. Mom tears and Rachel tears. And Rachel says, my faith with God is a very personal and important thing. She evokes God multiple times.
1: It was the best Christian play I've ever seen on a meeting of the family. And as we know, the result of the big game, she won the fucking big game. And I don't think that this was insignificant. And I think, in fact, this was the thing that turned that conversation around. When Matt James' mom is like, what do you like about my son? And she has no solid answer. But then she finally works her way back to like, oh, yeah, he prayed on night one. And that's when I knew I love God. God is important to me. And it works like a charm. It's a beautiful tool to use in the Christian era, especially in a season like this where it opens with a literal Christian prayer.
2: I feel like she has had this strategy since night one. Her reaction to Matt James's prayer was sort of like a Dale Moss type action. A love at first sight. I've just met my husband reaction. She bore tears at that point and she brings it back here. I do like, by the way, that we had parallel plays of the game extremely strong mom plays
1: the mom play or potentially the dad play as well in the meeting of the families like especially on bachelor the mom play is like that's a fucking big one remember fucking just one season ago madison pruitt and sluzz the difference in their mom Mm -hmm. play and how that fucking wound up
2: yeah you have different strategies towards the moms one results in Sweetnam scream crying bring her home to us regarding Hannah sluice, and the other one results in a mom attacking the <laughs> final person at the after the final rose which is madison pruitt
1: madison pruitt <laughs> provoked a mom into an Terrible attack mom game <laughs> but here we see two players with really good mom games i feel like i just thought that look i'm not taking anything away from michelle young it was a perfect fucking, I mean, it was the best meeting of the family I've ever seen. I just thought this play, the moment when she was able to play it, it was a heightened kind of performance. You could see she was in trouble and she didn't know what the fuck to do. And she just pulled a Christian attack out of nothing, out of thin air. And ultimately it gets her the ring.
2: I mean, they're both very strong plays. I was like, I was a little nervous what Rachel's meeting of the family is going to be like after watching Michelle's because I was like you can't do better than that <laughs>
0: I'm not and I think it was
1: not overall it was not as good of a meeting of the family but she had one play that was so strong right. it overpowered the kind of the slightly less than perfect other portions She of hits this.
2: that narrative again in her ITM she cries and she says Matt is so perfect he's everything I hoped for prayed for dreamt about so she's leaning very hard into this um, Christian theme and she love level fours Matt to Patty. I really, really, truly do love your son. Trying to be like, I'm very 40 RR. This is real emotion. I think Matt is the most incredible man I've ever met in my entire life. This is kind of like a, a kid's version of I think your son is a world changer. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And she and Matt go outside They make out Oh my god I wrote a note about your reaction to this Right after I said Clues is wheezing <laughs> You said this is like Mike Tyson versus Muhammad Ali <laughs> <laughs>
1: buzz they were both these performances were just like fucking I mean where do we go from here what is next year gonna be like I can't fucking imagine it like I don't know how you can get overall better than Michelle Young and I don't know how you can get a more specifically pointed astounding play than what Kirk did with that Christian attack I mean because that's so tailored to that family to Matt James mm-hmm. to the whole fucking thing even to the season like they the both were
2: tailored Yeah, I mean, if it makes you feel better, we're certainly going to see worse play in The Bachelorette because we always do. (laughs) We're
1: going to see two back-to-back seasons of Bachelorette that are going to be just, at this point, like, I don't know if I can even watch the guys play anymore. Well, there'll be a
2: paradise in between. Paradise in between,
1: okay. Portion three opens, and I have in my notes useless portion. This is basically just building this narrative in this portion that Matt James doesn't know if he's fucking ready for marriage. And again, it's like, sorry, you're The Bachelor. Like, isn't that the first question you ask The Bachelor when you're putting him on the show? Hey, (laughs) are you ready to be married? And if he's like, I don't know, I don't think so, then he's not the
2: guy that you put as The Bachelor. (laughs) You know, you find a guy who says yes to that question. It's not surprising, though. I mean, we did... (laughs) As you said, we, right after this, he recorded all of this. He went to a football game and smashed a cake on Tyler Cameron's face and smashed a beer on his face.
1: Yeah, that's the guy that is our bachelor at this point. But it, within this portion, we get the line that we've seen in a bunch of the promos about his mom, uh, you know, saying, people fall in and out of love all the time. It's not the be all end all. And his brother gives him support. Whatever you decide to do, I'm there with you. And james then itms that his mom talking about love and how it can diminish makes him think about his dad not being around and it starts to give him doubts about his readiness for commitment
2: i really like the emphasis on matt james's walls in this whole thing and you know i (laughs) i don't know what has actually gone on in his personal life or anything like that but it just it's It sounds, the strong wall sounds like a very polite way of saying, uh, Matt, he's a fuck boy, okay? (laughs) Like, give him a few more years.
1: (laughs) I mean, was it a surprise to anybody? This is a man who's a member of the fucking quarantine crew. (laughs) That should tell you something about his desire to have social media fame, in my opinion. (laughs) I mean, whatever. This, to me, was not surprising. I didn't even know if it was real, though. I was like, are the producers just trying to fucking like drum up some bullshit story? It did seem like a
2: false cliffhanger. But it was a real one. (laughs) Portion four.
1: Then we begin portion four. Matt James paces in his room. He says he needs to talk to somebody who has seen this play out for better or for worse. He opens the door, and it's DLH. And this was my... Wowie! Moment of the week.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: This for me the wowie moment is where you're like, wait a minute, what am I watching? That is a wowie moment. <laughs> I couldn't fucking believe this shit. This whole weeks have led up to like Chris Harrison's not gonna be part of this episode, blah 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 blah, and I knew that he would be here or there in this episode to kind of be the thread Mm. in between the scenes this motherfucker is knocking on matt james door like hey what's up i hear you need some counsel my mind was fucking blown and then they get a
2: whole scene of him and it's not the only one a long scene and we'll get to the line that was my wowie moment (laughs) (laughs) it's during this conversation though Matt tells DLH, I haven't brought someone home since high school cuz I'm guarded. I'm pump wanna pump the brakes. Is it something I'm ready for? DLH says, that is a lot to unpack. This is not the guy I was talking to a week ago, two weeks ago. There was a time where you believed my wife is in this room. I want to get engaged. He brings up the sacred invocation. You said the sacred words. My wife is in this room. I demand a proposal.
1: And then Matt James is like, look, I got new information. Like, you'd be a fool to hear new information. He says and you're not- silly. Yeah, you- you're silly. If you hear new information and you don't <laughs> maybe change your mind or have a change of heart. And then DLH says, oh, and that new perspective is your mom saying that love changes, feelings change, love ends. I mean, what kind of greeting card is that? Well. It's not a greeting card, DLH. (laughs) It's a fucking bit of objective, grounded advice that a parent is giving to a child. And to just dismiss it like that. Well, it's not a good greeting card. Oh my God, DLH.
2: DLH shitting on Matt James's mom and trying to force Matt James to propose to the woman with a racist past was by... Wowie, moment of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe how much he went on Patty. And he like looks to camera. Don't worry, love ends. What kind of greeting card is that? I just, Matt James saying you're silly when you, if you when you get new info and a new perspective, you don't have a change of heart. To Dark Lord Harrison, a man who has never changed his opinions on anything in 20 years, clearly is, I don't know, every... I mean, every fucking moment in this episode, I wrote down everything. I have Carpal Tunnel now.
1: Oh my God, my hands hurt so fucking bad from this one. Also, Dark Lord Harrison <laughs> has been divorced. He should know yes. this
2: advice is accurate. Season one, episode one, he infamously said... I'm a happily married man. I'm not the bachelor.
1: Ultimately, at the end of this conversation, DLH asks Matt James where he wants to go from here. And Matt James says he wants to move forward and continue to stay open minded about everything. He gets a little hug from the Dark Lord and Matt James ponders on the couch, hoping he can figure out this big decision, wondering what the right thing will be to do. And then at the end of this portion, we get another promo of Emmanuel Ocho, again, narrated by the fucking Dark Lord. Wait,
2: this line was not on Matt James's face. I just want to move forward this week and continue to stay open-minded about everything. Mm. So I was like, I wonder if he said, here, I'm not proposing. And they just want to make it seem like he's thinking about it.
1: And then portion five begins. And we open on snow once again. (laughs) we see the colon sign in the snow and then we see something else
2: a flower covered in snow And and
1: then we see
2: something else and then we see a woodpecker pounding on wood It's almost as if the bird is thinking and pounding their head against the wall. There's decisions to be made and we don't know what to do. And that's why this woodpecker was my... Creature of the week.
1: This woodpecker was not my creature of the week. In the very next shot, though, we see Matt James. The shot, though, doesn't start focused on Matt James. It starts focused on something in the background, maybe 150 feet away. It's a tree. Uh, there's something on the tree. There's something crawling down the tree. It's a squirrel. And this squirrel <laughs> is my <laughs> Preacher of the week.
2: Of course I miss the squirrel.
1: I never miss a fucking squirrel, and this squirrel was strutting his stuff as he ran down this tree way behind Matt James, hundreds of feet away, but he was so entrancing, so good at what he did that the camera operator who was shooting this Matt James ponder shot ITM Actually, Rack focused to the squirrel and used it as a transition to Matt James. It was beautiful, creative, thoughtful. And another squirrel reference in this season to jog our memories about the uh, squirrel taught group date that we just saw a few weeks that ago. That feels
2: like a hundred years ago.
1: It truly does.
2: Um, I mean, look, who is strutting their stuff more, a silent squirrel or a woodpecker making Audible noises that make it into the document. Those noises fake. I rest were fake. my case, your honor.
1: That was sweetened
2: audio. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? I believe the document as it is presented. Squirrels will get my
1: creature of the week every fucking week. Sorry to I say. Know,
2: I know. I know. <laughs> I love Matt James. Uh He meets up with Michelle. It's the start of their last date together. He and Michelle have matching puffy jackets here. (laughs) They're matching yet again. They kiss. Matt says he's nervous for their date, but in a good way. (laughs) He's like, so this is a Pennsylvania Russian spa, and we're going to (laughs) play Russian roulette. (laughs) (laughs) He makes her close her eyes. When she opens her eyes, they're On a building, looking out at some piece of pavement that has a table with a heart around it. But the only way to get there is down the side of the building. And they were going to rappel down this building.
1: And they used the phrase leap of faith probably 10 million times in this segment. The rappelling date has been done as many times as they used the phrase leap of faith in this show. Brad Womack did it with Michelle Money in season 15. Ben Flagenk did it with Lindsay Cox in season 16. Sean Lowe did it with Sarah Heron and Desiree Hartsock in season 17. Juan Pablo did it with Nikki Farrell in season 18. And of course, Colton and Cassie did it in season 23. Michelle doesn't want to do this date. This is not something fun for her, but she's going to power (laughs) through being the high level player that she is. And as they get into their harnesses and kind of like hang over the side, he slips twice, almost smashes his face into the side of the building. And then he still is telling her what to do. Oh, this is extremely dangerous. That's not like a fucking building you rappel down. They're just like, can we get some guy out here with a fucking rope to pretend to help them rappel?
2: They do get a guy out there and we see a (laughs) shot from the ground. Of this man on the roof Who throws this neon green rope Over the roof And the he was my
0: Jorge, Jorge, Jorge,
2: Jorge Moreno Bystander of the week, 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 week. We don't see him for long But he is setting up this ri- Ridiculously stupid date <laughs> And I bet he was laughing to himself As he tossed it but he got that camera time.
1: It was probably the guy who botched the uh, parachute landing. They just brought him back. <laughs> He's back.
2: <laughs> like, we like what you did with Kirk Connell. They do a bunch of leap of faith metaphors. Michelle says, "Repelling down this building kind of symbolizes the risk I've taken to be here, but I'm already in love with Matt. And a man grabs them as when they get to the bottom. He was not my Jorge Moreno bystander of the week. They kiss at the bottom. They go to the reward, which is this table in the heart, which is extremely windy. It looks like more torture. (laughs) It's also
1: just such a strange thing. Like, imagine being the producer, having that idea. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to set up a couch with some champagne in the middle of the plane runway. We'll paint a big red heart around it, And then we're going to have them rappel down the side of a building that isn't meant for that. Sound good? Yep. Great. Let's do it. It's such a... Like, what the fuck is this date?
2: (laughs) It looked... I mean, it looked horrible and dangerous.
1: But eventually they do make it to that couch. They have some conversation about how surreal it feels to be in the right place right now. And... Michelle asks him if he's able to get to the same emotional spot with her that she's at with him. And James says that's what he's been thinking a lot about recently. And that's why he wanted to talk to his dad. He says it wasn't easy because his parents have both experienced a bunch of pain. They kiss. He ITMs that he's confused. And night falls on Nima Colon. And before we begin portion number six, please enjoy this word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As we begin, portion six. The night portion of Michelle's last date. It is a Mikasa. He comes to her place He says he was in his head all day. He doesn't have it all figured out. He wants to make sure he can get there with Michelle because he doesn't know if he can at this point, but he has to be honest with her.
2: Michelle starts off chill, says today was amazing. Uh, You don't really show when you're nervous. She plays an opposite Serena P here and says, I would do it again regarding the (laughs) repelling. She's fully enthusiastic and on board for anything. And she starts this little speech. She says, I came into this experience looking for a teammate. And I was surprised with almost how like quick my emotions started to grow. I am in love with you. I cannot imagine having anyone else as my teammate at this point. It's you. It's you that I want. It's really hard to honestly picture leaving here without you. I do have a little something for you. She sets up her first Kringle green bag. When I came here, I put on hold changing the world because I wanted a partner in crime. And we see the back of this jersey. It says, Mr. James, number one. She is branding her bachelorette season with this crinkle. It is a parallel play to having her kids at home all dressed up in their Team Miss Young's t-shirts. You can see almost a layout of this season. She says, you are somebody who I see fit for that. And the team name of World Changing Warriors brings out a second pink Kringle bag. I do have one note here, which is that I think it might have been a slightly better play if she had gone into the other room and come back wearing the jersey. Uh, I think that would have been a sexier reveal, maybe.
1: Totally would have been a better play. However, if it would have still achieved the same outcome, it would have been a sadder walk to the car wearing that jersey.
2: Fair point. (laughs) This, by the way, this double Kringle was, it was almost my play of the game because in a way this Kringle is kind of like the ultimate, it's an ultimatum. It's basically like, pick me now or leave me in vicious heartbreak. (laughs) And we get the vicious heartbreak one.
1: And we see players give Kringles at this moment a lot, the last time they're going to see them. Sometimes it's a picture from one of the dates they had. Sometimes it's a scrapbook they've made, a story they've written, some kind of thing that is a personal reflection on the journey they've had. This was kind of unique in that it wasn't that. This was a pre-made, pre-planned thing. She had to have had this idea at the very least, if not the actual garments made and ready to give to him on this day. This is something she's thought about for a very long time. And it isn't just recounting the journey. It's like a whole other fucking level of truly thinking about what would be good in that moment.
2: It is ultimate future casting. You and I and our family will wear these. And it forces this moment. Matt says, I'm holding up our jerseys, Mr. and Mrs. James. Right now in this moment, I have doubt about our relationship. I feel terrible. I didn't know this is how I would feel. I don't know. I wanna tell her something that's gonna break her heart. So this Kringle is forcing that decision for him. And he basically says, I didn't sleep, I'm having doubts. I shouldn't be having doubts when we're a day or two away. He says again, the easiest thing would be telling you what you want to hear. I he keeps saying the easiest thing is to lie. And I'm like, how much does this man lie? (laughs) Because he just wants an easier life. (laughs) <laughs> Is that why those COVID parties happen? Like at his place, Tyler Cameron just made him do it. And he was like, you know what? It's just easier to just let him yeah. do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, the easy thing would be to wear a mask at these COVID parties, but I'm going to do the hard thing.
2: <laughs> and she responds, that's not what I'm looking for. Great response. She starts crying.
1: She also breaks it off with him right there. I don't know if you saw this in the body language. he has her his hand on one of her legs. She sits up, moves that leg, shakes that fucking hand off like, Don't touch me, motherfucker. She knows in that moment, Crown awaits, and now she's angling for that mm-hmm. instantaneously. It's beautiful,
2: yeah, while she had such a strong, essentially precog kringle, she was also prepared for this outcome because she is misprepared. She says. I want clarity on what this actually is. Am I supposed to fight for you or not fight for you? Tell me where you're at. Actually, he says, I don't think I can get there with you. She demands the elimination words, continues crying. She says, it's hard to feel like you have this connection with somebody. And then a flip of a switch, it's gone. He grabs her knee trying to comfort her. I don't want you to think it was a flip of a switch.
1: And then she says, I put it all out on the table. That's all I can do. This is sports talk. This is game speak. I left it all in the field. I gave it my best shot. There's nothing more I can do here to try and win this game. She accepts defeat as he walks and her it's out. And true. To oh, totally true. She
2: did leave it all in the field.
1: It was a flawless season, despite the producers completely undermining her efforts by bringing her in late. She did literally everything she could do at the highest fucking level we've ever seen. I mean, this is one of the best season runs of all time. Maybe
2: the best. She cries in the hallway as Matt walks away. It's one of the best heartbreak storyline setups we've ever had. She's got tears. She definitely seems like the victim in here that maybe she's owed something by the game. And she has branded herself with the teaching, with the jerseys, the world changers. She is essentially already writing the poster for her next season while at the same time still coming off so for TRR. We don't question whether she means all of this at all. We're on this journey with her.
1: Because she's given us no reason to. There was never a crack in her game. She may literally be for TRR. I don't fucking know. I think it's a small percentage chance that she's like literally 100% for TRR, but fucking fooled me. Like, I'm willing to accept that that is a possibility, Mm -hmm. which I almost never am for any player. She's that good. But then portion seven begins. We open on a fountain at Nemecola and James walks the halls with tears in his eyes. He goes outside. He's pondering in the night. He ITMs that he cares about Michelle, but he's questioning if saying goodbye to her was the right thing to do. He doesn't know. He's just trying to stay afloat. The best place to be when you're about to propose to someone is not having doubts. And then we cut to just a shot of the black Nemecola night. Nothing there. Darkness. And then you see... A face uh-huh. begin to emerge from the shadows. DLH fucking materializes like a ring wraith out of nothing when he detects Matt James's suffering. He can't be without a taste of it.
2: He woke up and just followed the smell like those yeah. cartoon lines. He was gums. probably fucking asleep.
1: And he was like, Do I smell the suffering of the bachelor? I need to taste of this tears. So he goes and he sits down next to Matt James on a curb. And this is the clip that we have seen in all the promos. Are you okay? No, I'm really not okay. DLH says, Sorry, Matt. I'm very sorry. This is not played on DLH's face. I don't know if it was adr or if they just didn't <sighs> want to have the image of DLH apologizing to him. They didn't want to see Dark Lord Harrison physically saying the words, I'm sorry. Oh, my Matt. God. I'm sorry. I One didn't of those two that. things must be true. They either laid in the audio as a recording to get the audio of it in the record at the very least, or wow. they omitted the video so we didn't see him say the apology. I don't know which one it is. One is true. I'll leave it there.
2: I mean, <laughs> I can't believe we're seeing another one of these fucking DLH Matt James conversations. I'm like, he is popping in. They're a fucking dynamic duo at this point, this episode. Uh, for another fucking council of the canceled cancel council
1: basically this conversation is just matt james complaining about not being ready not being certain of what he wants to do and dlh says he understands after he says he just needs some time and then matt james walks off into the night and he itms that he does not know what he's going to do and in the very end of this segment we get the Of the Dark Lord sitting on the curb by himself as Matt James is walking away. And the way it's shot is almost from Matt James's POV. If he were to look back over his shoulder, this is what he would see. Dark Lord Harrison sitting on that curb by himself. And I'm not shitting you. I don't know if they're going this deep into what the images mean in the show they're creating. But metaphorically, this is us, Bachelor Nation, walking away from Dark Lord Harrison and leaving him there sitting on the curb in Nima Colon. Because that's the last time we're going to see him hosting a show is there at Nima Colon? He is trapped there now for all time. A spirit in the world. But we
2: are going to see him at the Path of Pain.
1: Still at Nima Colon, though.
2: Right. Uh, Matt does an ITM here. He says, what am I going to tell Rachel? Hey, I just sent Michelle home. I'm ready to propose. And I'm like... He's now laughing at literally the concept of the fucking show. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> He's like, that would be fucking crazy if I did that. <laughs> like, right. Are you it's guys like, joking? <laughs> no, you're getting it, dude. That's literally like, how they I put 25 seasons. I just with her.
1: <laughs> I found out, by the way, <sighs> Fantasy Suites, there is a day in between. Each one of mm.
2: them. Wow. So they're not monsters. That's good. They should all shower.
1: Portion eight opens. We see a weather vane with a fox on it. We see some ducks on a lake. These ducks are weak as fuck. None of them stand out. None of them does anything to try and get my creature of the week, so they don't get it. Rachel is getting ready for her last date. She puts on makeup and earrings, and she ITMs that she feels like he's her person. She is overwhelmingly in love with him. She sees every single day of her life with him in the future. She looks out a window. There's a knock at the door, and we know what that means. When you hear a knock and you don't see who it is, she opens it, and DLH shows up leaning against her doorframe, almost like he's trying to gain a romantic entry to her room. Did you notice this?
2: I wrote, he said, sorry to barge in, and I was like, he didn't enter. So how is it barging in?
1: I don't know. I suppose emotional barging was taking place. But DLH tells her there's not going to be a date today because Matt James needs some time. And we'll let you know ASAP when we know what's next. Rachel goes back into her room, sits down on the couch. And she ITMs that she feels hurt and confused. She was not expecting that. And it's hard that he didn't even want to see her at all that day. She feels in the dark. And he has never expressed any kind of worry or concern or confusion before. It's very blindsiding, she says. And then she produces tears in this moment. High-level play, of course.
2: What percentage chance do you think it is that they told Matt, oh, yeah, we'll cancel all of tomorrow's date activities, we'll let Rachel know, and then they don't let Rachel know until she's already gotten ready and put on makeup the next day?
1: Something like that is, I believe, almost entirely accurate. I don't think this was a Matt James saying, yeah. I don't want to do this today. I think they told him no dates today. You went through an emotional thing. And then they go to her room and like, oh, guess what? Matt James, uh, he's not in a good yeah. space. He's not going to be able to have a date with you today. What do you think about that? She actually handled it pretty well. A few tears, but it did not divert her from her overall strategy. Matt ponders off a balcony. Once again, The ITMs being uncertain, even though, This proposal is, you know, one day away. He imagined his spirits being different in this moment. Is love enough to sustain a relationship? And then, of course, uh, there's someone that shows up at the door again, and it's the demon, Neil Neil Lane, Lane, the diamond man. He has arrived. Now again, Matt James (laughs) just said, I don't know if I can get married. I don't know if I'm there yet. Whoa! I'm Neil Lane. Let me just show you some diamonds. No need to think you need to take one of these rings. Just take a look. See if you like one. And they entice Matt James into twisting these fucking diamond rings around in his fingers. And Neil Lane's telling him what kind of diamond ring his mom fucking had when he was... All this bullshit. And we get more shots of diamond rings in this segment than we have ever seen before in a finale for the selection of one ring. Sometimes you'll have, you know, two rings being chosen. But in this case, to choose one ring for one fucking person, he twisted four different rings in his fingers with close-up shots with the gleam filter applied to the diamond. This is pure product placement. Buy these diamonds. Keep the diamond industry going.
2: I think this was a much better kneeling commercial than his one in uh, La Quinta. When he's like bringing up his mom and what matt's like can i touch the ring and he says uh it's not gonna break i got strong strong rings it was much more endearing than his name dropping of i uh do the rings for the show i i know sean and Catherine." <laughs> that's what he did in la quinta
1: his la quinta performance was shit and performance way better. And they're giving him a little to work mm-hmm. with in both of these cases. They make him sit down and have conversations much more than he's ever done in past seasons. So we'll see if the demon can continue his upward trajectory of, uh, important conversations with the lead toward the end of the season, looking very forward to his conversations with Katie Thurston and Michelle Young.
2: Dark Lord Harrison introduces Emmanuel Acho again at the end of this, <laughs> this portion. And we get portion nine. Rachel Kirkconnell appears to be in Sarah Trot's isolation chamber. She is shrouded in darkness. She says, I don't know what else I could take at this point. Yesterday was the hardest day I can remember. She drinks tea in her slippers on the couch. She's wearing a robe. Knock, knock. She walks over the door and appears like she knows there's going to be a letter. This part was like a scripted play to me. She grabs this letter from under the door. Doesn't try to open the door to be like, who's there? You couldn't
1: get more of an impression that she is being held captive in this room than in that (laughs) moment where it's a knock on the door and just a fucking letter is slid under it with no voice on the other side of the door. No one on the other side of the door saying, hey, here's a letter for you. It's just like knock, knock, slide.
2: Yeah, might as well have like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich (laughs) next to it. (laughs)
1: It was just. A strange creative choice. They couldn't have had DLH give her the note. They couldn't have had anyone just like a producer. Here's a note we got for you. Slide it under the door.
2: And this note that Matt James handcrafted lovingly for Rachel Kirkconnell. (laughs) What are we watching It says, Rachel, I'm so sorry for making you wait. I've had a lot on my mind these past few days. You deserve answers. Meet me at the lake, Matt.
1: Meet me at the lake is like a mafia hit is about to take place. (laughs) Meet me at the lake. It's like
2: some Pride and Prejudice shit. It's
1: so fucking weird. He clearly didn't write it. It's written in the exact same handwriting of all the fantasy suite cards, which is just some producer or a PA writes all this shit, which again leads me to believe Matt James didn't know about any of this.
2: Yeah. There's no there's no indication of a dress code, you know. Hey, this is actually the final rose ceremony, so maybe you should wear your last sparkly dress. <laughs> None of that.
1: No, we just cut to James in a suit driving out to the lake i guess and you're like oh wait a minute i guess the lake is going to be the the final thing and he wanders out into a clearing rubbing his hands together as he likes to do and then dlh emerges in this shot where he kind of walks in from the top of the frame and it literally does look like a mafia hit matt james back is to us he's in the distance and chris harrison is like walking toward him from the foreground in a horror movie style kind of like murdery vibe
2: DLH asks him how he's feeling. He says, it's heavy. I visualize the commitment that comes with a proposal. But I've never felt what I'm feeling before. I love Rachel. The more I say it, the more assured I am in that feeling. And he says, I think it's all going to come to me when I see her setting up. He's going to take this ring and keep it in his pocket and see whether he feels the vibe is right to propose. Uh DLH says, This is going to be the most important talk of your life. And he does a little last minute Hail Mary Christianity prompt to try to get Matt to propose. He says, say a prayer, get your thoughts together. We get a cutback to Rachel Kirkonnell in the car on the way over, and she does one more Hail Mary, Hail Mary, crosses herself. Is that a Hail Mary? What is that? What's when that? you do the four points, what is that called?
1: Just the sign of the cross.
2: Crossing yourself.
1: I just always heard Doesn't it have referred a name? To as the sign of the cross.
2: Hmm. But
1: right before that, Matt James walks across a little wooden bridge to the altar, and we see for the first time what the final altar is going to be. These are always ornate. These are always put together by the producers, and this one, as far as altars go, is pretty nice. It's a woodland altar. It's got a fire blazing in a little fireplace. It's kind of a tableau feel to it. It's not just uh, an altar. It's got some character. I liked this altar. James ponders the ring. And then we begin portion 10. DLH greets Rachel. She says she's really nervous, says she's still very much in love. And then she is forced to walk the path of pain. As you know, the path of pain is the path. All players must walk from the car when they arrive to the altar they are always forced to walk this path alone and if there are two players in the finals the one who is dumped is forced to walk back across the path of pain <laughs> after they're fucking dumped that is why it's called the path of pain tonight there was no pain and it's the, the path. path
2: of pain because especially on bachelor they're often wearing very high heels it is clearly freezing there and she has a sleeveless dress on so there is physical pain involved in this as well
1: you can literally see her fucking breath when she's she like exhales before she gives her little speech. But she gives a very good speech to him, I thought. She hated going into today, she says, more than anything, because the thought of him being hurt and confused and not wanting to see her was too much for her. She wants to be there for him when he's hurting, and she couldn't be. And she wants him to know that she's not going to run just because it gets rough. She says, I don't know if you still want this relationship, but regardless, I feel so unbelievably lucky just to have felt what I've felt for you. I've never felt a love like this in my entire life. And at the end of the day, I just want you to be happy. But I just know with all my heart that I love you, LL4, and I will choose you every day from here on out if you'll let me. This is about as good of one of these kind of speeches as you can give right before he's about to make his final decision.
2: Matt then goes into his final speech and gives a little summary about how he didn't know what love looked like and, but he, everything he was looking for he found with her and he struggled with what he's going to do today and he says, that he, again, he hits this, the easy thing would be to <laughs> brush those feelings and emotions off and make you happy and to propose to you today but I couldn't live with myself if I put you through what my mom's been through. He's really hitting this parental parallel hard. I've seen what rushing into a proposal and marriage can do. In my family, it's ugly. It's not something I want for you or us. That's why I can't propose. Rita goes, mm-hmm. And Matt says, that doesn't mean I want to lose you. When I think about the life I want to live, I'm living it with you. I want to leave with you, and I want to commit to you. And every day, build on what we started here. The truth is that I love you. He finally love level fours her. She love level fours him back. I love you, too. He says, I see you as my wife. I see you as the mother of my kids. I see those kids being crazy. I just want to make sure my love is enough for you. Rachel, of course it is. You're the most amazing person I ever met. I picture our life. I picture it with you. They kiss.
1: And he gives her the final rose, the final zero pointer of the season. And this is it. We see them together. She's so happy. And he carries her down the path of pain. She doesn't have to walk it this time to a white carriage with some horses waiting, where they kiss in the back of this carriage before it takes off. And it only takes off because there's a pilot of this carriage who is commanding the horses to drag them through the Nemecolon night. And this carriage pilot was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno... Bystander of the week.
2: It was a lady carriage driver. I don't know why, but I was surprised.
1: Oh, I didn't even think I noticed that. I just noticed it was a person there to cart them off into the sunset, which is obviously one of the most important shots of any one of these seasons is the final shot of the couple together. And then we hear DLH say... Stay tuned for the After the Final (laughs) Rose starting right now. And indeed, it starts right now. We don't even get a fucking commercial. But before we get to After the Final Rose, who was your MVP?
2: Michelle Young was my... M-M-M-M-V-P. As she said, she laid it on the table tonight. She got the brother glow. She got the mom glow. She told the mom she L.L. Ford. She had a unique line for the way that she loves that Matt James was from a broken family. She gave him this amazing Kringle that perfectly branded her looking for a teammate. She set up this heartbreak storyline to become... America's sweetheart, Bachelor Nation's sweetheart. I c- couldn't see a final performance played better than this. She doesn't get the final rose, but she does get the crown, which is a much more important objective.
1: Michelle Young was also my... M-M-M-M-M-V-P. everything you said she got every fucking glow she got every fucking moment she did everything right those fucking kringles the snowball fight it's like you just can't make a better performance than that i do think overall the christian attack that kirkconnell did was a slightly sharper play and it wound up getting her the the position of the ring not the literal ring but she is the ring winner of this season the final rose recipient if you will um, but overall, Michelle's body of work, not only in the finals, but I mean, I think even prior into the season, like a lot of things she set up start to pay off in these end rounds as well. Mm-hmm. And I just, she has raised the bar. She, I think, is like the new standard of a professional player.
2: Totally. I know I've said probably before, I don't think that if Date can beat this, and then we're seeing more and more professional players, but like the story of her. Telling her mom how much she loves Matt James, telling that to Patty James, I like, it's astounding. I respect the hell out of her game.
1: You have to. The shit that she did in terms of like preseason research to get Maya Angelou quotes and shit like that and use them back on him and then change her Instagram Mm -hmm. to it, what she's doing parasocially, I mean, that's not specifically related to her play in tonight's game, but like... It's just this overall body of like what you can do as a player. If you're very astute, if you're looking at the leads, Instagrams and Twitter and shit like that to build strategy for in game, you can really establish dominance in almost every element of the game. And she did it in more elements than I've ever seen a player do it.
2: And by the way, as a little addendum, she played the after the final rose perfectly as well. Crown vibes through and through. Yeah in the last i mean we'll talk about it
1: we'll get to it let's get to it so let's begin the after the final rose that concludes season 25 uh again thank you for joining us (laughs) and now we have the after the final rose which was as emmanuel atro said the most shocking after the final rose that has ever been taped and edited and indeed he was correct so the After the Final Rose begins with this first shot of Emmanuel Ocho taking the stage. This is the first time we have seen anyone but Dark Lord Harrison open an After the Final Rose. And I got to say, it looks pretty natural to me. There is no audience here, which is a little weird. It's always kind of off-putting. The one at La Quinta had a very similar feel. Uh, or not the After the Final Rose, but the Men Tell All that they did. And Emmanuel Acho takes center stage and he says this is the most shocking after the final rose because he is there instead of DLH. And he mentions Kirk Connell's racist internet shit. He mentions DLH's defense of it immediately and says that he hopes they can talk uh, openly and honestly and all heal from it. But let's not forget what the show is about, Love and Romance. And he introduces Michelle Young. She comes out to take this first hot seat. And I just want to say, what he did here in the beginning, fucking flawless. This dude should be hosting the show. I'm already convinced. I've like I mean, I'm <laughs> like, yep, let's give it to him.
2: The bar was low, but he way surpassed it. I just want to note though, in his intro, he summarizes DLH and Rachel and says, Rachel had this past and Chris defended her and says, for which He has since apologized. He notes that Chris Harrison has since apologized, but not Rachel at the beginning, which I thought was odd. But yeah, we get this first Michelle hot seat. He asks her what was going through her head. Were you really ready to be engaged? She says, after my family accepted him, I thought he was the one.
1: And he basically gets her to just talk about what went wrong after the repelling date, and how she was caught off guard and felt like one of those moments where your blood leaves your body. And we're seeing that Ocho is good in this. Not only can he deliver straight to camera like DLH does to introduce us to whatever's happening, he can talk to these fucking players way better than DLH. He actually seems to give a fuck. He doesn't know Michelle Young. He met her that moment, and I believe he cares about what she is saying and what she went through. He's very good at this shit.
2: Totally. And he just seems like he's hes just more interested in doing that job. He's more interested in what they're saying. He seems actually curious about their emotions and stuff as opposed to just kind of phoning it in. Let's say
1: <laughs> there's no boredom. There's no condescension with Emmanuel Acho, which is insanely yes. refreshing.
2: Uh, They talk about the Rachel Kirkconnell stuff. And Acho says in the midst of grieving a loss of love, you also had to deal with the controversy of Rachel and the antebellum photos. Michelle says as more info started to come out, I started to feel hurt by what I was seeing. That was a prime understanding That was a prime example of not understanding the history behind it, not being educated. I feel like she has a good heart, but there's a lot of learning to do. Comes off very inconsiderate. And he asks her about Chris Harrison. He attempted to go to her defense. I'm sure you've seen that. What are your thoughts? She says it was another weight added on to the already really difficult feelings. All of the issues, everyone's talking around, apologizing, not actually changing anything. There's a point where you're just so exhausted and Acho says, we can't resolve all that tonight, but we can resolve some of the grieving with regards to Matt. And so we're not getting too into it. She's saying she's hurt by these things, but she's not condemning Kirkconnell. I mean, it's, it's a solid crown hot seat in a, in a perilous conversation that, you know, you can easily make missteps.
1: I was actually very surprised that they had this in the show that Ojo asked her about Kirk and the dark Lord Harrison thing, because mm-hmm. at least in the grander scope, she's not really involved in that controversy specifically. She is because she was one of the final two players going against Kirk and she's part of the season, obviously a, a main important part of it, but she didn't have any like personal stake in that controversy. She wasn't on the thing with right. Rachel Lindsay and DLH She wasn't, you know, in any of the pictures. She wasn't like part of it. It was just how it affected her. And I was like, fuck, okay, I guess they're going to kind of talk to everybody about it then, which I did think was a good move.
2: Yeah. And it's, you know, one perspective that's outside of Matt and Rachel. Portion two, we get the Michelle and Matt heartbreak reunion. She's the first person to ask Matt how he is. He says it's been a very rough past few months processing everything. Michelle says this is hard to sit here. Um, The moment you left, I completely crumbled and had to walk away without closure and fill in the gaps of what our relationship really was. I was not okay. She pulls tears here. She says I wasn't okay at all. And producers were in my room seeing how bad I was hurting. And I asked you for a conversation. It's not a conversation where I was trying to change your trajectory or change your mind or fight for you just so I could have my inner peace, and you said no. And I am left with this impression that she conveyed all that information to producers. I'm not going to try to, like, win him back, but I just want closure. And then how did they convey that request to Matt James? Did it include any of that information? Was it like, Michelle really wants to win you back. Do you want to talk to her?
1: No, I am positive it wasn't that it was probably something like Michelle wants to talk to you. You totally don't have to do it like she's going to be fine, blah, blah, blah. They probably did some version of that to him, but he apologizes for not giving her that conversation nonetheless and says had he known how much it hurt her, he would have done it. And she tells him that she cares a lot about him and she's a very forgiving person. And she's already put this down. She's not in love like when she left the show, but it helps hearing this explanation.
2: He acknowledges that he loves the way she carried herself on the show and the emotional labor she's taken on as a black woman. Um, She has composure and he has respect and admiration for you, for him, for Jesus. She has admiration. Jesus. It's late. He has admiration for her.
1: And it seems like they've kind of uh, put this behind them a little bit. Obviously, we know we're going to need that to be the story because there is another part to Michelle's story that will be coming up in the
2: end of the After the Final Rose. <laughs> By the way, Ocho asked these questions. If you remove anger you still have, do you still love him? Ocho, like really gets at these like making people talk about their feelings in this in a way that DLH is not good at. DLH
1: doesn't give a fuck. I don't know if Ocho actually cares about these people or not, but what he does mm-hmm. on his YouTube channel is have conversations like this with people. He's very fucking good at this.
2: He says the first of what he's going to do a couple times. He says, you may never see Matt again. So is there anything you want to get to say or get off your heart? I love this drama. This might be the last time you ever
1: see him. That I noticed that too, and I was like, he seems like a nice guy, and he's very good at this job, but he has a little DLH in him. Mm-hmm. You may never see Matt James again. Now what <laughs> would you like to say? That's like a little sinister, and honestly, yeah. you need it for this job.
2: So I'm just saying. You need it, and he gets away with it. He's got enough charm to that it doesn't come off overtly sinister. He says, coming up, Rachel will join me. We'll find out what the last couple of months have been like for her and how this controversy has affected her relationship with Matt. This might just be the most uncomfortable conversation in Bachelor history. I love how he is rebranding Bachelor with his own brand.
1: It's fucking brilliant. And it's true. This is one of the most uncomfortable conversations in Bachelor history for fucking
2: (laughs) sure. For sure. Portion three however is the hot seat of matt james alone
1: and ocho asked him about the pressure of being the first black bachelor this is something that they tried to do with dark lord harrison in the the very first episode of this season but it Mm -hmm. just was completely insincere very surface here we get an actual conversation about it where matt james tells us that there's an extra level of scrutiny to be the first person to do this the first black person to do this And he says you have to be on your best behavior because for a lot of people, this is going to be the first time having somebody like him, a black man in their home, in their living room, on their televisions. And so it does carry a lot of weight.
2: By the way, Ocho introduces this by saying a conversation between two athletes would be unique based on their experiences. Gives a bunch of examples and then says a conversation between two black men will be unique based on our life experiences. So I want to start there. And you see that Acho is kind of aware of this living room situation as well. Is sort of like easing into this, explaining how important this is.
1: And Matt James ultimately goes on to say that he felt like he was being asked to take on everything in the country that was happening with social justice and with the franchise. And he felt that that is what his presence as the first Black Bachelor represented.
2: And he said a lot of what people take away from the show and how I interact with the women and how I carry myself, like it or not, is going to be people's perception of how black people move. Acho says, was it too much pressure? He says, wouldn't say it's too much. Any other lead would be asked one thing to find love, find someone they're compatible with. The position I stepped into was to take on all this weight. And Nacho says, I realize often I might be the only black person black man this white person comes into contact with today so let me do my best to adequately represent black men across the country Matt says it's just what we're conditioned to do as black men making people comfortable with your blackness going above and beyond to show that in stature and in personality you're not as threatening as you come off and those are the types of things I was thinking about but he says he doesn't regret the experience he loved the wonderful women he met um and This experience helped him unlearn things about emotion being weakness and not being afraid to cry and being able to tell someone you love them.
1: And then Acho moves the conversation to start talking about Rachel Corconnell and he asks Matt James what it was like when you first became aware of her social media posts, the Instagram and the antebellum ball photos. And James says, you want to believe, you know your person better than anyone else. And while the controversy is swirling about her racist past, he was just trying to be there for her. He dismissed all of this as rumors until they weren't. And then it just makes you question everything, he said. As somebody who grew up in the South, it takes him to a place that he tries not to think about. And when she apologizes, when he was finally able to check himself and see where he was at, and he was not okay with this because it was in that moment in the conversation that he had that Rachel might not understand what it means to be black in America. And Ocho keeps going. What's it like now between you guys? And James says, basically, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I've stepped back because she has to do it on her own. I can't do it for him. And Ocho tries to get him to go through the breakup conversation. Like, Ocho <laughs> is doing some Dark Lord Harrison shit here. He yeah. is forcing these players to talk about the painful moments.
2: And Matt says, as tough as you can imagine, it's heartbreaking if you don't understand that something like that is problematic in 2018. There's a lot of me that you won't understand. And it's as simple as that. And Matt is, it's it's tough for him to say this stuff. You can tell. Acha says, what would you say to people who would imply if you broke up with her over an action from three years ago that it wasn't intended to be malicious, that you never really loved Rachel? I mean... <laughs> It kind of reminds me of when, on the Housewives reunions, when Andy Cohen is like, Rachel from New Jersey says, blah, 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 (laughs) comment on this thing. It's not my question. And Matt says, you know, it was a long time ago, plantations. And so I'd ask the same people who are so triggered to bring that same energy to supporting folks of color who are asking for change, because a lot of those conversations are being had outside of people of color. And people who have never been the only person that looks like them in a room and someone who's never been discriminated against.
1: And then ultimately Ocho says Rachel is going to come up next, but this entire segment here is something we have never seen before in the history of The Bachelor. An honest conversation about race not only in the franchise but in the country, what standards black men are held to in media and in the rest of our country and it's aired I mean, this was edited. They mm-hmm. had a chance to take out any of the, these pieces of this conversation they wanted. All of these are what was in there. I don't know what wound up on the cutting room floor, but I found this to be mm-hmm. a pretty good attempt at having this conversation, presenting it as it was had. And this is important shit that they're talking about, obviously.
2: It was <laughs> one million times better than that initial fireside chat between DLH and Matt in which Dielich was like, what do you mean it would be hard to be in this position? Like, <laughs> compl- like coming from a place of complete ignorance, not understanding, versus this. And Hacho adds in a little moment here, which I thought was interesting. And he says, can I talk to Rachel alone first before we talk collectively? And it added this element of consent into hot seats which I feel like we haven't ever seen they're just like no it's your time you're up well it
1: does this weird thing subliminally that is like the producers aren't controlling this this is just a conversation between two guys and it's like I have to talk to her as well like can I talk to her alone would that be okay with you it's giving the power to Matt James to the lead, whereas mm-hmm. usually DLH has all the power. He controls all yeah. these situations and is the proxy, obviously, of the show in that regard. But here, it's not, and I, I, it worked. It fucking worked for me.
2: He seems extremely empathetic, which is—it's a low bar to be more empathetic than DLH. Clue said, "All you have to do is beat literal Satan in terms of seeming empathetic." <laughs> It's true.
1: (laughs) Portion four begins. Audrey welcomes us back and he talks about the history of insensitivity where Rachel Kirkconnell's behavior is concerned. And he specifically talks about the plantation ball. And he welcomes Rachel. She comes out, they shake hands, and he immediately asks her how she's holding up. She says it's a loaded question. It's been a lot, but she doesn't want to victimize herself. And then Ocho comes right after. it. He brings up the plantation-themed party photos, and he gives the definition of antebellum for anybody who is watching this that may not know what the fuck that word means. I didn't fucking know what it meant. This was a learning experience for me in the fucking Bachelor.
2: Wait, before this conversation?
1: I didn't know the word antebellum was Latin for pre-war. I knew what, what it did referred you think to. It meant? I just thought it was a word that described the Deep South that time, that era. I didn't know it was literally a Latin word translated to pre-war.
2: I took Latin. Oh,
1: fantastic. (laughs) I did not. I took Spanish.
2: I loved this explanation, though. I was like, yes, Bachelor Nation needs further clarity. People don't understand why, specifically why what Chris Harrison did was bad. And this breaks it down. It's honoring the South before the war. The war in question, he specifically goes A to B to C, is the war that freed slaves. I mean, I, it just, it was great. Uh, and then they put the fucking picture
1: on the screen <laughs> and they force her to look at it. And he's like, what do you feel when you see this? I mean, I did not think that was going to happen, that they were going to no. throw the fucking picture
2: on the goddamn screen. And they did it. Rachel says, "I see, I see someone who was living in ignorance. I didn't once ask myself what was behind the tradition. I could have easily asked those questions. I never took the time. If I took the time, I would have understood what was wrong with it." And Ocho defines prejudice as it's a willful commitment to ignorance, or that he has heard this definition of prejudice, and asks, "Who do you blame for your ignorance? Your upbringing, educationally, familially? Who do you blame for that ignorance?" I was like he's getting into it. She says, I don't want to blame my upbringing or where I grew up or the location of the South. In my eyes, there's no excuse. I do get a lot of people saying this is normal where I grew up, or I don't think that's what that stood for, or I don't think it can be racist because I'm not a racist. And I think people need to realize by saying this is normal where I came from or common, that doesn't make it right, that doesn't make it okay. And Acho He's mostly asking questions here, but he inserts his opinion a couple times. He says, I think we all need to do a better job of acknowledging history is meant to be remembered, not all history is meant to be celebrated. And he defines this difference between being racist or racially insensitive or racially ignorant. He says, I've been very intentional about saying what you did was racially insensitive, it was racially ignorant, and it plays itself out as racism, but that doesn't necessarily classify someone as racist. We have to pull back the curtains, look at intentions. And he says, people are wondering what took you so long to apologize. She says, I wanted not just to say the right words, just to have people to accept them, but wanted to understand why people were so hurt by this.
1: And there is no mention of ABC handcuffing her here, which is reported as true. She wanted to say something earlier. ABC said, you cannot say shit until we figure out how we're going to handle this. So she is playing ball here. The producers have told her that she has to say this as the answer, and she does so.
2: He mm-hmm. asked her to take her through the breakup conversation.
1: Twisting she says, my initial reaction.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, remember when he broke up with you? What was that like? She says, my initial reaction was very confused. I was blindsided. But then I thought how strong our relationship was. So for him to end things, he must have been very hurt by everything it's hard because I lost the love of my life, but in process hurt him while doing so. Hot seat number five is Matt and Rachel's reunion. Rachel apologizes to Matt for hurting him.
1: And then Ocho ultimately asks him how hard it is on him to see the woman that you love hurt you like that. And James says it's devastating and disappointing. And Ocho says, there's so much more in your heart. I can see it in your eyes. What else do you want to share with her? And Matt James pauses for like 10 fucking minutes. Rachel Kirkconnell's give him a shoulder rub, trying to get him to say anything. This man is fucking silent. He says nothing. And they end that portion on his silence. Portion five, we come back. Uh, Matt is still silent. Ocho tells him, it's best to just be honest. And he starts talking about how it was extremely disappointing to him to have to explain why what he saw was problematic and ultimately the work she has to do is going to have to be done by herself. And he thought about if they had kids and then they would see these tweets, these posts, what that would be like for them. That came into his mind. Obviously, that would not be something too fun to think about. Kirkconnell ultimately tells him, he was the only reason that she decided to do the show. And that includes every single part of you. And that obviously includes being a black man. I never experienced a love like this and I don't see anyone else out there for me. I just don't see how I can have these feelings for someone else. And she gives us tears. And Ocho asks if the door's even slightly open for reconciliation and it ain't.
2: <laughs> no, He says, I don't want you to be canceled. I want people to call you in. That's the best thing that can come out of this, but that again reiterates that's something she's got to do on her own. And Acho does this line again: "Rachel, you may never speak to this man again—the man who held your hands at that last proposal site, that he saw you as his wife and mother of his children. In fact, <laughs> if, if you never see him again, what would you like to communicate?" She pulls tears here. Uh, she <laughs> says, "Since day one, I wanted you to be happy. I want what's best. I'm sorry." And one last religious Hail Mary. I thank God for ever putting you in my life to begin with.
1: I'm going to start ending all my conversations with that. You may never talk to me again. Is there something you want to tell me?
2: <laughs> Please don't do that on our podcast. <laughs> okay, this was a weird moment. He says, well, if you all want to share one final embrace and then they don't embrace...
1: Not only do they not embrace, Acho, in this moment, did take the authority of a Dark Lord Harrison. I can now control whether or not you will hug, and I say you can. Begin! And then they don't do it, but it was this weird, like, okay, I'll give you permission to hug if you like now. It's so fucking bizarre. But they don't hug. Acho thanks them both for being there. Rachel will continue to grow. He applauds the steps she's taken so far, and he says he can see she's becoming accountable, which is, in this case, it's the show giving her the stamp of approval. She's on her way. She's fixing things.
2: Yeah, he definitely seems to be laying out a path for a possible DLH comeback with some of this language. I don't agree with cancel culture, but do agree with accountability. I see you're accountable. Um he says it's been an emotional night. We're gonna turn the corner. New bachelorette. Get ready for a curveball bachelor nation.
1: And that's what portion six is. Ocho takes center stage. And he said that there was such a an incredible player pool this season. It was it was difficult to make this choice. And he welcomes both Michelle and Katie under the premise that they need to talk to both of them before the big reveal. But the big reveal is they're both bachelorettes. They both look right into the lens. We're the bachelorettes. And Ocho makes sure that we know it's two separate seasons, two separate women.
2: Hopefully ending in two separate engagements as if it might accidentally end up in a quad engagement. (laughs) (laughs) We don't really hear from them very much. Katie says she's ready to find love, not the temporary kind. Feels like she's the best version of herself. She's hitting that again. She's seen it work before. Why can't it work for me? Praises the process. And Michelle says yes, I do think the process works. You set aside outside distractions. You can dive in and think, and I think you can learn a lot about somebody. I'm just excited. I thought that was a great, great praise in the process by Michelle. Specifically saying, it's great that my our phones are taken away.
1: They both set up their upcoming seasons very well. We're going to be hearing much more from both of them. And that is it. That's season 25. Now it's worth noting, Emily Longretta, a senior entertainment editor for Us Weekly, sent out a tweet during this after the final rose that said, Warner Brothers ABC, can you please release this conversation to... And it had an image of Rachel Kirkconnell talking to Michelle on the hot seat. So that is footage that exists that we never got to see. Hmm. But all in all, I thought this was a... It was probably the best after the final rose we've ever seen. Yes. Acho is great at this job. They talked about some real shit. I felt like for the first time at one of these after the final roses or mental women to all one of the kind of like recap shows that they do actual conversations were had about very important subjects, which never fucking happens. Usually you get like the That's true. Rachel Lindsay is forced to talk about bullying and not even say the word race or racism, or you get the Lee yeah. Garrett, Kenny King hugging it out and solving racism on the stage of a mental. This felt very different to me. Or
2: Rebecca or and Garrett, you know, talking about it in a very brief conversation, barely touching on it at all. This we got in depth. He's asking multiple people about each of the scandals. Yeah. I
1: thought it was well done for what it's worth. I don't know, again, what wound up on the cutting room floor, but I was uh, pleasantly surprised by the the level of sincerity they were willing to go to in some of these conversations and the the content of it what they were actually talking about
2: yeah i mean there were like there were definitely like things that i i hadn't thought about that whole the living room conversation that one really s- stuck out to me um you learned what antebellum meant <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so hopefully this you know, is a step in the right direction. Patronation is tends to be behind the times in yeah. a lot of these areas, and hopefully, it's catching up slowly.
1: But that was it. That's the conclusion of historic season twenty-five. It ended in a huge scandal that involved Kirkconnell, that involved Dark Lord Harrison. It produced the first ever after the final rose that was not hosted by Chris Harrison, but instead Emmanuel Acho that we saw tonight and all these fantastic conversations that we saw. And the season prior to the After the Final Rose produced some of the best play we have yet seen in the history of our beloved game and hopefully is only a stepping stone to what we're going to now witness in the upcoming seasons of our beloved game with even higher level play. Although I don't think the players of Bachelorette will... I mean, let's just be real here. Men are not as good at this game. They're just not.
2: yes. Yeah.
1: So we will see what happens on Katie's season of Bachelorette, but we are anxiously awaiting it. I think she's going to be a very good crown and may do some game-changing things herself. She begins shooting in, I believe, a week and a half. They're all in quarantine now. Some of the players are being released by Reality Steve as we speak, and I'm very excited for it.
2: We will be covering, you know... Have we even covered DLH not hosting the show? We haven't even covered that yet, have we? No. We will be covering that, as well as Katie Thurston's tweet saying she thinks Chris Harrison should take more time, etc. In our Thursday episode, This Week in Bachelor Nation.
1: God, there was just so much. I mean, this episode's already long, but yeah, Taysha and... Caitlin Bristow are gonna be hosting that season, which has been announced through various God. Instagram accounts. So we will be covering all of that on Thursday. Please join us for this week in Bachelor Nation. There's a lot to talk about, obviously, but this has been a crazy one, Pace Case. I can't believe we made it through.
2: Am I still here? <laughs> I I feel like I may be I may be a ghost. We you know, as DLH says, there's a lot to unpack here and we will be recording our Patreon episode later this week, which will be our top 10 takeaways from Matt James's season, which will include our MVPs of the season, our plays of the season, errors of the season, etc. Yeah. I think
1: historically when we look back on this season, it, it will be like studied intricately because there's a lot of important stuff that happens in this season that hopefully is sending the show on a different trajectory. Well, this was a long one, but it was a good one. And thank you, Pace Case, for all the work you have put in over the course of this season. And thank you everyone for listening to all of our recaps and all of our This Week in Bachelor Nations and helping us grow the pit
2: yeah thanks thanks everyone for going on this long journey with us (laughs) and before we go
1: as always what is the dwob at
2: it has been 6,931 days without an asian bachelor praise be rachel Lindsay. please rate this
1: podcast That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in.
2: Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.com. Dot Co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,